I said, don't mention him. He's dishonored us. He's made the name Fleabiac sound ridiculous. And welcome to the Malbolge. This is Regarding Spawn, the world's best Spawn podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fisher. And I am your co-host, David Williams. And we have a very special guest today. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We sure do. Kind of one of those like, man, could we ever do that one day when we talked about when we started the podcast? And here we yeah, are yeah. that day, honestly. Yeah. It's we incredible. Have Mr. Thomas Healy himself, the editor-in-chief of the current Spawn's universe. Hey, thank you so much for having me. This has been a good time. I've been following you guys online for a while, so it's it's been quite enjoyable seeing you guys go through and recap some of the real early issues when things oh, were just you. weird. Things were just weird. <laughs> it's been yeah. real fun. At, at that point, yeah. This book is weird. This book that we're doing today is a weird one. It's an amazing balance of both weird and excellent. It is... I actually I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's tough not to enjoy Alan Moore when yeah, he just does not have any reins on him and he's just allowed to do what he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he likes to stick a lot of English nerd jokes in there, like like English major jokes. And I very much appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that because I was gonna point that if nobody brought that up. Like having the 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 character named the vacillator <laughs> yeah. constantly going like constantly vacillating on all of his dialogue, I thought was hilarious. Like admonisher is the obvious one. Yeah. But the vacillator was such a fun. I'm like, I get it. I get the joke. Yeah. This is awesome. If if I existed in Spawn's universe, I would probably be the vacillator because <laughs> I can't make up my damn mind. For Good to know. <laughs> well, that is a long way of saying we're talking about Violator number one. Yes, indeed. This is a classic all the way back from the far off land of May 1994. It is one of three. So we'll be the next three episodes we'll be covering this. I don't know. Yeah, it's, we always kind of start with the covers when we're talking about the issues here, but I would just, since we've got you here, Thomas, just wanted to, one thing we always usually ask our guests is what is your history with like early Spawn in the 90s? Because I know, we know you got a lot of history of Spawn now, but just curious yeah. uh, what your history with Spawn back in the day was. You know, I was, I, I grew up reading a lot of comics, John Byrne, Fantastic Four, mm -hmm. that whole era I, I loved. I loved just the classic Avengers stuff. Got out of it for a little bit, but back in high school, and I'm going to date myself here. Back in, I, I graduated high school in 92. So the nice. year that this, that Spawn launched. But going back through high school, I had a buddy of mine who was really into comics and they're hanging out one day. I was like, hey, what are you reading? What's what's going on? He's like, I'm reading the X-Men. It's really good. I knew who the X-Men were. But it was during that era of the X-Men where it was like they had gone through the Siege Perilous and they were in Australia and they were getting hunted by the Reavers. So it was really dark. Like that, yeah. not like X-Men running around New York City in, in, in bright colored spandex. It was really brutal. And then that went into like the Mutant Massacre and stuff like that. So that's what really got me back into comics and i remember we would go to the comic shop and when spawn number one came out we saw it on the shelf and we, we picked it up like oh my god look how good this looks the paper is different it's really brightly colored but a buck 95 uh, who's gonna buy a comic for a dollar 95 <laughs> but but we started we started reading it and that's that's kind of what got us into it and it, again it reminds me like how early this this stuff was was you're talking 
talking about the covers, but on the back, um, yeah. I, I was born on Long Island. I was born in Amityville. So this is this is Long Island. This was a con on Long Island that I that I went to. I was at this show. Oh, nice. That oh, was wow, on the back. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. At Hofstra University out of Long Island. So that, so that's it. And then I, I kept going. I'll be completely honest. And I've told Todd this. I was not the biggest Spawn fan. I read up to probably the mid-teens before I ended up finding other things. I was a big Wills Potasio fan. So Wetworks was my jam. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. So I was definitely an image guy, but I, I, I enjoyed some of the other creators a little bit more. I loved Stormwatch as well. Yeah. But uh, going back and then years, years and years later, I was managing comic shops and I kind of got into it. Again, you try to read everything that came out just so you could talk with the, the people that work there mm. and the people that come in and buy stuff. So it's like, oh yeah, I remember reading Spawn. Yeah, that, Jason John Alexander's on that or oh, so-and-so yeah. was doing the art. Jason John Alexander, Alexander's art is one of the things that got me back into it. It's incredible. Yeah, he is just absolutely amazing. And getting to know him now, he's such a cool dude. And hearing the stories that when he started, you know, people are familiar with the 11 by 17 style size pages. Mm -hmm. But Jason wasn't doing that. He paints everything. So he was literally doing like three foot by three foot paintings of the pages and Todd had to go it's too big it's taking too much time make it smaller but like some of his original pages he'll post stuff of his of his workshop every once in a while like they're massive they're huge pages and so yeah hear, hearing stories about that and the industry and stuff has always been fun but yeah that's kind of what got me into uh spawn and, and mcfarland early on that's nice awesome. nice his early image team books were were very fun it's like it's like they they were like what if we took the x-men and made them like completely implode upon themselves. And yes. I, I find that to be a fun dynamic. And then years later, I never would have guessed it, but I get to work with one of my favorite artists of all time, Brett Booth. I love Brett Booth and Backlash yeah. was probably my favorite image character of all time. So I have all of the Backlash stuff. I even have the really small miniseries Wildcore. I don't think it was supposed to be a miniseries. It didn't last very long, but I have everything that backlash ever appeared in and i love that and then years years later we're sitting around talking who should we get to do gunslinger spawn and, and i was just throwing out names and i was like man you know who i like i love brett booth he's doing flash right now and then todd literally went is that that kid that used to work with jim lee i'm like i don't think he's a kid that worked with jim lee anymore i think he's a well-respected mainstream artist who's currently doing flash yeah but but todd remembered him and todd do him so we reached out and, and you know now now Brett's taking over Spawn at 350. Yeah, we're and very I, excited. I get, to, I get to call up Brett and be like, you know, I'm, just, I'm a huge fanboy, Brett. I love your stuff. <laughs> so every time I, I buy a back issue of something that he did, like the Spawn Wildcats one, he did some stuff in that. I was like, I always send him photos. I was like, Brett, look what I bought. He's like, oh, that was a fun one. That was a good one. That's awesome. It's, it's interesting to think how much the... It's fun just to have this comic in your hand because the covers are so different now with like the different in most comics now it's like a bigger thing with a different cover and the different artists and yeah. we always cover the credits and everything and this one's just the same Bart Spears doing the art. Yeah. It's a great cover. You got uh the admonisher kind of in the background. I love the spawn balloon. Like that's <laughs> that's hilarious. And you got the classic clown, like he's got the the gut hanging out. And the Fleabiacs underneath, it's just got a lot going on, but it really tells the story of what you're about to get into, the mania of, of it all. You know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, we're kind of in the mode where, where Todd likes, he just wants a cool cover. It doesn't have to reflect. So sometimes we'll have characters on the cover that don't even jump in the book. Right. Yeah. But back in the day, I used to have a lot. Your cover sold the interiors. Yeah. And yeah, and you're right. This is a solid cover. I love I love the Violator logo. I thought that was a really greatly designed logo. I yeah. think that was done by Tom, Tom Orzakowski. He did a lot of the early logos by hand. We're actually still using that. We're using that again for the upcoming, which was announced at New York Comic-Con, the upcoming Violator miniseries. That'll be coming out later this year. We're gonna we're using that same logo for it. Oh, nice. Because it just because it just looks so good. I, I feel that Todd McFarland gave the world a gift by having 
a Tom O B on on all of the Spawn books because at least every other episode or so, I make some sort of comment about how much I love some little bit of the lettering. Oh it's yeah, it's been it's been amazing throughout, and that like he did the original Spawn logo too, and that just like it feels like it hasn't aged either, which is incredible. No. Yeah, no, you're right. They right. I mean, they swapped it out for a little bit in like what the 180s or so. But yeah, you got to bring it back. It just works. It's clean. It's it that that sells the book, you know. And you're like you said, it doesn't look like it's aged. You look at some of the early stuff from Image. You know, they always had like it looked chrome. It was supposed to look metal, and it faded. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and this is still just clean. You just throw a different color on it, depending on what the the main color for the cover is, mm -hmm. to make it pop a little bit more. And you're good to go. And you're right. It just it's just a perfect logo. But yeah, Tom's amazing. Tom has touched more spawn titles and worked on more books than anybody in the history, even more than Todd. Tom Orzakowski has lettered every issue of Spawn. That's awesome. incredible. That's a yeah, lot of was... work. That's a lot yeah. of work. He, and he seemed like very much like like a workhorse kind of guy when I when he was talking at SpawnCon. His talk was really interesting. He was just like, This is the work and like really laid it out and like I don't know. It was just it was just cool to see someone like a master like that kind of talk for a little bit. That was great. He is. He's still and he still loves the work. When we did the announcement, I got a an email from him and he's like, So did I see you guys are doing a Western book? You you know I love Western books. Can I can I do that one? I'm like, Tom, you can literally do any book you want. Yeah, like we're never want. gonna say no. Tom, if you want to do a book and you've got the time, you you're on it. So yeah, so he's gonna be doing again, we're never gonna kick Tom off the books. He's gonna be doing a bunch of the new titles coming out, along with Darren Bennett and his team who do the other half of the books. So it's uh it's good stuff that we've got. We've got a good team on that. That's nice. awesome. So we popped this bad boy open and you got I guess the, the official title is the world of this issue. But yeah, we as we mentioned, story by Alan Moore, who, you know, when I was in high school was like my first I'm into graphic novels, like a great gateway to getting into it, like from hell, like League of Extraordinary oh, Gentlemen. Yeah. I was super into like the big ones. So and one thing we said on the podcast a lot, and it's very adjacent to this because you meet one of the other Fleabiacs, but issue eight of Spawn is one of my favorite issues. And maybe the thing that got me into it was the Alan Moore issue eight. And uh, I just love that one where he's dragging Billy Kincaid through hell, through the tower. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so great. And it's fun to just kind of get another Alan Moore story and just see, like you said, see him go wild in this. Yep. And to me, this really does feel almost like a continuation of uh, his medieval spawn story that that clown kind of tells the kids about the time he fought the medieval yeah. spawn knight. Yeah. And because and then there's there's a moment in this issue where he's talking to the hand. He's talking to the head on the hand <laughs> and he's kind of telling his history and stuff. And it, it falls back to the the trope of the unreliable narrator. Yeah. So you don't know what he's saying is true. Yeah. You know you know that when he was telling the kids the story about him fighting medieval spawn, you know that that wasn't true because the art was relaying what actually happened. Yeah. And so I say that because when the Violator miniseries comes out later, it contradicts some of this, some of this origin of the Violator, because at the end of it, you, you have to realize Violator's never going to be the reliable narrator. He's always going to make his story sound better than it was. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That Violator medieval story that you're referring to is back when I started getting into Spawn for, for real about 10 years ago. That was the issue that made me realize that this wasn't just a fun beat-em-up comic that I could read before yeah. bed and know what was going on. Because mm -hmm. I literally was like just in bed looking at it going, wait, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not awake enough for this. Uh, yeah. And and that was actually kind of mind-blowing for me because I was just looking for some hell guys to do some beat-em-ups. And then I had to actually yeah. think about it. And that was that was, that was was fun. That was a fun little turn. 
Yep. So it's there's it's a it's a very rich world and I love it when everybody involved kind of gets to play with it and you know they're like the expectation is it's just going to be some dumb fun but then there's a lot of good ideas baked into it like throughout the years so Oh absolutely you're right. We got pencils by Bart Sears. He was at the uh, Long Island yeah, uh, Comic Con. Did you was see? Did you see him there? I'm sure I did. I don't. Right. I don't remember seeing any of these guys a long, long time <laughs> sure. ago. Oh yeah. But yes, I do. I do remember going. I'm sure I saw all of them. Greg Capullo yeah. looking very different than current Greg Capullo. That was version one. <laughs> that was before he got really, <laughs> yeah. really buff and badass. Like if you look at some of the early pictures, we were Todd and I were going through an old Wizard magazine that had like top hot artists. Remember Wizard used to do like the cool artist, yeah. and mm-hmm. there was a photo of Greg Capullo. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> That's Greg, and he just had like a baseball hat. He just kind of looked a little nerdy. He looked like what you would expect for a comic book artist. And then all of a sudden, he just shaved his hair, grew the handlebar mustache, started going to the gym, and and like that's him. Like that's his yeah. signature too. Like you, you look at his artboards, and it's got the sunglasses and the little mustache on there. And now he's that's like he's an icon now. He even has the little the little logo of just his face on his yep. his pages, which I I love his little logo. That's just yeah, his face exactly. But I wish now I would have had the appreciation of some of this so I could have gone and saw and, and met with some people like Stephen Platt and Bart Sears. That would have been awesome. We got inks by Mark Pennington. Letterer, the great, as we've already discussed, Tom Wojciechowski. And Steve Olaf, who was also does colors, and he was also at SpawnCon. Which also cool. at SpawnCon. I was telling everybody, you guys have Tom Wojciechowski and Steve Olaf. There's not a lot of cons in the future that are going to have both of these guys, so get that book signed. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, I, I loved Steve Olaf had either a shirt or a jacket that said Moo, because I guess when they had first started, he was telling the story that it was McFarlane, Olaf, and Orzakowski, and like they called themselves Team Moo. And it was just a yeah. hilarious little anecdote. Yep. But yeah, that's pretty much the credits there. You get a little nod to Todd there with the violator created by. I like how it says in the little fine print, printed in the Great White North. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta call it out. Yeah, we do. We do. To this day, we still call it out every time we print something up there. That's awesome. So we open on the who we these monsters, these fleabags kind of uh, what do you call that? What is the actual term for that? It's scrying. Scrying. Yeah. Scrying. Okay. A blood scry. I, I felt a little I felt a little called out here because they say that this typo blood is lousy. Uh, I I am I am a typo individual. So I was like, I, I am typo as well. I am typo as well. Yes. Well, I'll never use you. I was going to use you for that, David. So, <laughs> well, I, I guess you'll, I'll be your last choice. So uh... <laughs> you got lucky. Yeah. If I ever needed to scry into the future of find out what happened, what, um, no home here is about and that's what i would do <laughs> no you, it's a good call out you mentioned spawn eight before no home here spins right out of spawn eight okay oh hey i'm super pumped then all right yeah i'm very excited for that that series yeah as Dan- disgusting as billy kincaid is i it's it's such a great mythos and yeah it's, it's it, re- it's it really fun. is well that's the thing is it's not his story mm-hmm. it's Shirley yeah. johnson's story yeah yeah. And Daniel Enriquez is a spawn lore nut. And he he figured something out after rereading that issue that I don't think anybody picked up on. Okay. So that's that's the thread that they started pulling on and coming up with this story. Okay. That's um, cool. So it so yeah. So if you if you you mentioned that and No Home Here, I think is gonna be one of the most exciting books coming out this coming year. They were super pumped. They're they're watching their brother, they're watching our friend. Well, we don't know that yet, but we know who's yeah. there. It's it's Mr. Mr. Clown, Mr. Violator. And this is, yeah, this is takes place somewhere 
Because I read the Compendium 1, and there's one point where it's like Sea Violator 1 through 3, and I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly where. I think it's in maybe the teens or 20s or so. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's pre-20, I believe. Because he's some he loses his power. I think it's one of the issues where he starts talking, like it, the issue starts off with Clown talking to a cat in the alley. <laughs> I remember that. He, like, yeah. he likes to do that a lot, because the only people that will listen to him are cats. <laughs> yep. Cats and those children. <laughs> yeah that's kind of the framing device for the issues you get the 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 fleabiacs watching their brother here and it's just fun like you said like just them bouncing around you get the vacillator vinny's there that we know of vinny the vindicator they don't do the they don't do the like picture of them with their names on them in this issue so you gotta you gotta kind of piece it together yeah you gotta guess yeah one thing that I really love about about this issue is the numbering on the pages <laughs> are just a violator making the numbers. <laughs> yes. I I didn't actually notice that the first time. I had read through and I was I read through I was reading through like all all three issues again today and I, I caught it at the end I'm like what 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 is that? And I'm like I'm 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 getting old man. I need glasses. And then I realized like oh my god, yeah, it is. He's just I, doing d- like, I didn't even notice that. He's, he's doing little yeah. poses. At first, I thought it was just going to be like, that will be the image at the bottom of every page. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But then he started doing different things. And I was like, what is this little guy up to? Yeah. And I just, I love the classic Violator. Because, I mean, that was, I remember being a kid and like in the 90s and like seeing like the Violator and be like, what is that? Like, <laughs> I need to know what that is. That is cool. You know? And like, it's just such a great iconic design. That's hilarious that he's doing the numbers, though. I didn't notice that at all. That's great. So clowns in trouble, pretty much. You got Dracula. I think Dracula's the name of the bot, the mob boss. That was in the main series there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is like the the end of kind of an arc of that. Yeah, this is this is them having found out that he's the guy that went around and pulled all the hearts out of all the the mobsters. Oh man, yeah, right? yeah. I love that was the violator's thing for a bit. Was just do the heart rip. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like how on this page they're carrying him around and he's wearing the baby on board shirt. <laughs> I love his shirts. They're great. They never fit, but they're great. No. <laughs> and it's just always so offen- he's just so offensive. Like it's just vile. Like it's just anything he does is just offensive, which is great. But yeah, I don't know. Like Alan Moore's so good at this action too. And like it's interesting to see the processing or the process work in the back. We see mm-hmm. his little thumbnails because he like just the action and the you know the whole part after it gets thrown off and it's in silence, but just the action's told so well with the images and the story's told so well. It's great. Yeah, I think I think Alan and Bart were a solid team on this book. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I'm not real familiar with Bart Sears, but I am I am liking what I am seeing throughout all of mm-hmm. this. Especially, I love that big over overly done like early to mid 90s bit where like the lines are thicker everybody is just like wildly large specifically like all of these guys have obvious shoulder pads in their suit jackets oh yeah (laughs) that's the kind of shit i love like look at him he also does really good hands i very i very much like hands in comic books and he's got excellent hands throughout they're hard to do they're hard to do this is where his his big dilemma begins of this head on his hand because he shoots he shoots the hole in the guy's head I love the detail that he shoots himself out of the concrete. Like, that's just, like, so... Yeah. I don't know, like, video gamey. It just reminds me of something <laughs> out of, like, you do at a video game. It's just, it's just hilarious. Yeah, like if you were playing Uncharted. Yeah, you'd have, you'd have to you'd shoot have yourself to out this. of the concrete. Exactly. Yep. 
I like how he he just like keeps a hold of the dude's tie the whole time, like the whole like, time. <laughs> like they're in the water, and I'm like, why is he still holding on to the guy? He's just having trouble for himself. But you know, he's he's a he comes in handy. Fellow. He's a devious fellow, so he knows what he's doing. He comes in handy, and you get this like totally <laughs> hilarious like oh, where he's doing the voice and then puts the hand through the the mouth. It's just like crazy. Like it's awesome, but only clown would think of that. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous and gross, and it's. I understand why my mother didn't want me to read this when I was little. Yes, and I understand why I definitely why I wanted to read this, and like <laughs> yeah. why I still do. Yeah, I do like how it it almost immediately goes from the the gun through the through the head to it's like a first person shooter kind of yes. thing. Yes, so it feels it feels very Doom. Yeah, and like that's yeah. this is an early use of that too because that would have been pretty cutting yeah. edge because doom was like around 92 or 93 yeah. and it's definitely evoking that like you know and that's been used in what was that one movie hardcore henry was all first person oh yeah they also did it in the doom movie with the rock they did do it in the doom movie there was a scene it was actually pretty fun even though that it wasn't was a great that movie. was fun yeah hardcore <laughs> henry though that was just like that was the nausea movie like, yeah i knew a lot of people could not watch that movie yeah, I saw it in theater and I got a little bit kind of like, oh, I don't know. But all I really remember about it is it had Charto Copley going going wild as like a bunch of different characters. And it, mm-hmm. it was, I remember being kind of fun. But yeah, you definitely get, that's that's a really, I, I just, I loved the first person too and like the Doom kind of aspect to it. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I do like the idea that demons are reluctant to die because they know what happens. <laughs> and they're yes. like, yeah, you, you, you think you're scared of dying now. Well, if you actually knew what happened, you'd be even more frightened. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that they're starting to lose signal, so they have to get... <laughs> if they have to pop a fresh one. <laughs> so gross. Yeah, and they got... And like, you think about these poor... I guess it's a little later, but there's the guy who's like, please wake up, please wake up. And it's yeah. just like so terrifying. Yeah. That is one of the interesting things. It, every writer has kind of showcased hell in a completely different way. Yeah. Even even Alan Moore. Like this isn't like this isn't the hell from Billy Kincaid, you know, yeah. which was full of like cyber giants and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. The pods. Psychic ice shrimp. It's just like everybody. And, and that's kind of OK. It's like everybody can just kind of show hell as a different aspect. And it still works within the spawn mythos. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like right now, it's like the the battlefield yeah. currently, which is fun how it can be different things at different times. It can be horrific. It could be an epic battlefield mm-hmm. and it can it could be really yeah. kind of it could be a vast empty space filled with nothing but like insect guys. Yes, it's exactly. I felt that was showcased really well in the lead up to 350, because mm-hmm. if you followed in the spawn title again, like you said, that was the battlefield. Yeah. There were armies there and you saw the palaces and stuff. But then if you followed King Spawn where Al was, that was just like a horrific wasteland yeah, yeah, full of, of monsters in the dark. And, but it's still the same place. And in our minds, hell is an infinite space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there's, there's different kingdoms, but it stretches on forever. So there's always, there's always something new to discover there. Yeah. No, it's been a fun ride leading up to 350 on all the issues. And yeah, it's, it's been great. <laughs> it's been, it's been wild. Cause some, some issues have been like kind of fun and easy breezy and others have just been like the heaviest, <laughs> the heaviest thing in the universe and it's yep. it's fun that hell contains such multitudes <laughs> it does and spawn does yeah spawn yeah spawn absolutely does and we're getting more multitudes this year so it's just multitudes upon multitudes yep. multitudinous we're excited about that we're excited about that i like to i always like to point out we're not expect you know we announced 15 titles 
at New York Comic Con. I talked a little bit about that at SpawnCon. But what I really want people to understand is we don't expect the Spawn fan to buy 19 issues of Spawn every month. You know, there's the four core books and then 15 new titles. A lot of them are miniseries that are tying directly into Spawn and the Spawn universe. But a lot of the other books, they are in the universe of Spawn, but they're they're adjacent. Mm-hmm. It's not about Al. Rat City is about a Spawn, but it's not about Al. Focus is just a straight up superhero book. It's about a speedster. Like if you want superhero, that. that's great. Rat City is a really cool sci-fi cyberpunk story. Uh, Jimmy's Western book, Deadly Tales of the Gunslinger. It is about Gunslinger, but it's about him prior to him getting to the present. So you're not going to see Clown. You're not going to see all of that stuff. It's his own story. What we're just trying to do is introduce other types of stories and other types of books to go, hey, you've got a friend, you've got a buddy, your girlfriend, a dad or a mom or whatever who reads comics and you've tried to get them to read spawn and they're like i'm just not feeling the whole heaven versus hell type thing that's okay we have other books that aren't that it's not all al simmons focused stuff and that's what we're trying to do we're just looking to expand and go hey we can offer other cool things but for the sake of ease we just want to set them all in the same universe yeah and that's how we did I have a very good example of that where i have i have a very good friend we basically just talk about comics all the time and I have long tried to be like, you should read Spawn. And he's like, no, 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 that's not my jam. But he's he, he also shies away from trying to get more monthly books because he's, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, I don't need to spend $100 every month at the comic book store. But he's like, I'm getting that Jimmy Palmiotti book because he's a big Jimmy Palmiotti fan. Jim, Jimmy Palmiotti is arguably the best Western comics writer in the industry today. Yeah. And he is writing the coolest Western. And basically, we've been describing it as... 310 to Yuma meets Bone Tomahawk. It's just hardcore Western violence and it's it's awesome. So Yeah, we've talked we I think during this podcast I got David to watch <laughs> Bone Tomahawk. So that's awesome. We're super pumped oh, for that. It's one of nice. our favorites. So please yeah. tell me there's gonna be a chicory. Please tell me there's gonna be a chi- chicory is He's my a great favorite character. character in that whole movie. <laughs> We'll see. It'll be fun. And we have Logan. Like, he'll be into that. Like, we have friends that, are, like, just read the Gunslinger Spawn. And King Spawn, I thought, was good. I got a couple people in on King Spawn from the beginning. I think it was a good entry point. And that's actually what got me. Like, I was into Spawn younger, but King Spawn got me back into Spawn. I read comics, but I didn't really go, like, to the weekly store until a few years ago. Like, during the pandemic, kind of fell into it mm-hmm. and started getting Spawn. But then, like, once King Spawn launched, that's when I was like, I'm all in because... I just, I love the first, I don't know, like the first arc of that is just great. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of how, especially people are like, why are you doing two spawns? It's like, tell me how many Batman titles there are. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know, I, I look at, and when I, when I describe that to people that are not familiar necessarily with spawn, I say, Hey, y- you have a general idea of spawn heaven versus hell. You're going to get that in the spawn book. Armies of heaven, armies of hell, spawn fighting the big, big battle. King spawns a little bit more of like the personal story. There's not always, a, there's not as much grandiose battles in it. It's more of um, his personal mission one-on-one. So to me, it's very similar to in Batman, the comic he could be in space he could be with the justice league he could be fighting aliens but in detective comics he's usually in gotham usually fighting his personal rogues gallery and that's kind of how i feel both those books are spawn you're going to get the the big grandiose story the big arc whereas king spawn it's much more his personal demons and personal battles we always describe it as king spawn feels like the prestige hbo version of spawn like it feels like like if it was the hbo series it'd be king spawn yeah i like that that's good. That's that's a good name. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, FYI. go for it. Please it's like do. the HBO so, version. I'm stealing it. 
Well, they're stealing a look here. They're stealing someone out of this cage and ripping them apart to get more blood to steal a look at their brother here. But then we cut to some more first-person stuff, and this is a fun... I love the early spawn trope of the big boss. You gotta have the big boss. There's all literally physically big and, like, in charge of everything. It's always fun to see. I like how this one little guard gets, like, kicked out of the doorway as the admonisher comes in in the back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I didn't even just, notice that. That's he's just a, a big hulking brute, and that's fun. I also like that there's the, the guy who was like, uh, can I be excused from tossing the clown into the river? This isn't what I was hired for. It's just kind of like like skulking around in the back. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just my just the assistant here. <laughs> and they were introduced to the Punisher, I mean the Admonisher. Yeah. <laughs> right. Totally right. different character. So he's definitely not Nuke from Daredevil. No. No. He's uh, not talking not about all. our boys. There's no red pill. Nope. <laughs> Doing it for the boys. <laughs> A little Duke Nukem in there too. But he was he didn't exist yet. Duke Nukem ripped him off. Oh, probably. Duke Nukem ripped everybody off, didn't he? Yeah, Duke Nukem ripped everybody off. That was kind of his point. (laughs) Yeah. I think, yeah, Duke Nukem ripped everybody off. Alan Moore wrote about a lot of the stuff he did not like in comics, and he put it in his books. Yeah. Yeah. I like we get an overkill shout out, so it's crazy to think what he's he's been around since the game. Oh my god, yeah. Just recently died again. Uh, spoilers for those recently, who haven't read. Well, it yeah. came out like two months ago. That was yeah, like it did, it did come out a while ago. Yeah, but yeah. it's comic books. Does yeah. anybody yeah. really stay dead? Oh no, of course not. No, of course not. No. You used to say, I remember people used to say, it's comics. Nobody stays dead except for Uncle Ben and Robin. Yeah, and, yeah. And they brought Robin back, and then I heard people say, oh no, except for Gwen Stacy and Uncle Ben. Not Gwen Stacy's back too now. <laughs> Is it a different one, multiverse, whatever? But yeah, but I think they're going to keep Uncle Ben dead. Yeah, he's he's the one. I know there is a Spider Ben guy, but oh, really? Yeah, I think in I think in the Spider Verse there is a Spider Ben. Interesting. There's, yeah. there's a lot of Spider Man out there, is the thing. <laughs> yes, there's yes. a lot of Spider Man. But I'm gonna say Wanda's gonna stay dead. Uh, Wanda yeah. will stay dead. Okay. okay, she's gonna show up as a ghost all the time, but she'll be dead. Okay, okay that's good. Don't quote me on that. Oh, don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. Todd, Todd could Todd could change his mind tomorrow. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's fine. I remember there's a great, it was in the back matter of one of the recent issues. Was it, I think it might have been one of the gunslingers or I can't remember which, but there's an interview with Todd and he's talking about, he mentions you because he goes, I do it mainly issue to issue, which drives my editor crazy. And so we always go issue to issue sometimes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. But no, yeah. He, he mentions that a lot whenever he's talking. He's like, yeah, a real, he goes a real, a real comic writer. Cause he knows he, he's like, I'm an artist that writes comics. I'm not a comic writer, but he, but he'll go, he'll talk to when we get like new, new artists coming on or new writers. He'll be like, yeah, it, it, it kills Thomas because I, I, I always got to ask him what happened in the last issue. And then we just, we just continue. He goes, I rarely like planning it out. He goes, I like being spontaneous. That's just how I am. And that's why some people go, well, why did that, that plot point get just completely forgotten about? Like we'll, we'll catch up to it eventually. And he's he's notorious for doing that. He'll go yeah. 20 issues and then all of a sudden, remember he said that one thing and then that's a whole issue focused about it. And that's where a lot of stuff happens. I mean, Malbolgia has been dead since issue 100 and now we're at 350 going, all right, let's resolve that. Who's going to take the throne now? Yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah, it has been a while. That's one of the yeah. fun things about comics though. Is that, it is. Like you can, you can just kind of like mix and match it and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be exactly. as cohesive as like a novel or something like that. And yeah. Just, just, I mean, it's just, just enjoy, yes, please have fun reading your comics. <laughs> I mean, Imagine here's, that. here's the thing. We're never going to renumber. Todd will never renumber because he doesn't want to lose the world record. He, yeah. That's a record that's never going to be broken at this point. Yeah. So we're never going to renumber. So when you hit 350 issues, that continuity has to be fluid. 
Yeah. Otherwise you've written yourself into so many corners. Where else can you go? So you have to kind of take this with a bit of fluidity. They do it in Marvel and they do it in DC, but they also then renumber. So people just assume it's a fresh start. And since we're not renumbering, people call us out all the time, especially when in the letters page at spawninggroundatmcfarland.com. I get those those nasty letters from people that calling out on like the tiniest bit of continuity and go, "It, it has to be that way. You know, just look at Iron Man. Iron Man was originally he got hurt in the Korean war. Then it was the Vietnam war. Then it was Iraq. And then it was just generic terrorist attacks. So they mm-hmm. had to have that fluctuating continuity. So he didn't turn into a 75 year old superhero. So in our mind, even though the comic has been around since 1992, Spawn's only been Spawn for between five and 10 years. You know, okay. he hasn't been Spawn since 1992. So characters age differently. Look at the, look at Reed Richards' kids. They they needed Valeria. So they were just like, oh yeah, she's the same age. Didn't you remember that? It's like, where did she come from? You have a daughter? But same thing with how Cyan is, is like late teens now. You just kind of have to go with that continuity and the fluidity. So when stuff happens and you go, hey, but in issue three, they mentioned that, oh, you mean 30 years ago, they mentioned that one line and, and <laughs> the new writer didn't remember it. I apologize, <laughs> but I hope you can still and just enjoy this story. Yeah. yeah. Sorry that I'm getting off my soapbox now. Oh, no, yeah. Like, we, we Dave, love a Dave is usually here. the one on the soapbox. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're please, used to soapboxes here. It's usually for much less important things too. <laughs> yeah. But if you have questions, I, I'm glad you guys read the back matter. Please send emails to spawningground at mcfarland.com. I love getting those. I love answering those questions. They're, they're fun. Sweet. Actually, it's a it's a perfect place to 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 sort of shoehorn this in here, but we I personally love the the ongoing saga of Jet, who gets to have a like he gets a, a McFarlane right? action figure every month that he does some artwork, and then his artwork yes. shows up. It's it's so good. I'm so glad you mentioned that. So Jet has sent in he sent in a letter and uh-huh. a piece of art all 12 months. Oh, man. So he doesn't always end up in spawn. He jumps yeah. around. We didn't put him in every issue, but we did a bunch. And he got to go to San Diego Comic-Con with his dad. Yeah. And so they they reached out to me. And so I got them in front of Todd. And I was telling Todd, I was like, Todd, this guy has been in the letters page more than anybody else like we've seen more Jet art. And Todd was like, well, one day you're going to be doing covers for me. And then we had SpawnCon. And then they got me a birthday cake at SpawnCon. And, and mm-hmm. we did that. And the cake was delicious, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he saw that because I posted on my Instagram. And so it was late because my birthday was October. But I just got a piece of artwork in the mail. And I'll post it on my on my Instagram on on uh, Tuesday when I get back to the office. And he, he drew a picture of me editing Spawn with oh, Spawn nice. standing behind me at my desk that says, Happy Birthday, Thomas. And it was probably one of the nicest things I've ever gotten from That's anybody amazing. but yes i'm glad you guys like jet the first two times i got a letter from like why are you just putting in like crappy kid art and, and not cool art it's like that is cool art and i still put in other cool art yeah but if we've got a fan that is taking the time to do that and write me a letter to say i like spawn here's my gunslinger yeah i'm gonna put that in the i'm gonna put that in the book because it's awesome yeah and those He's... are the best those are the most interesting ones too i yes. mean to be it, it is and yeah and, and yeah they're it it's been a saga man we talk you see the letters back and forth and uh he's doing it so now he's taking this year off and he's doing his own 12 page comic oh nice and he's going to send it to us at the end so in december he's going to send us the pages and he he's writing and drawing his own spawn comic oh, that's I would, great i would pay more than 2.99 for that issue. <laughs> uh, there you go please publish it yeah. i would i would love to in some way figure out how we could get this in a in an issue yeah, yeah. That would we'll be cool. see. We'll see. Legally, who knows what the lawyers are going to say? But <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would be fun. Yeah. It would be fun. It would yeah. be very fun. That's... So I'm sorry, I keep sidetracking this. Oh, this no, that's, no, that's so what that's we do. We, we that's, it, it's, it's the framework in which we build the 
the show. It's the, you know, you bounce back and forth between. Okay, gotcha. We usually get off on things that are hyper-specific about living in Chicago and weird things or, like that. So. Or Star Wars characters, or I like <laughs> yeah. to occasionally teach Johnny about Star Trek. Yeah, because I don't know much, but yeah, we, 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 have our t- we have our tangents, so don't worry. That's what we're here for. Nice. I love the sort of illustration of how quick the admonisher is to act. Where Big Boss doesn't even get to finish his thought, where he's just like, these guys die. <laughs> yes. And like, it, oh, oh, sorry yep, about that. He, he kills them both. And then the next page has the great joke to also show how stupid he is. Yeah. The the, the Roosevelt, the Teddy Roosevelt yeah. joke, um, which I did appreciate a lot. Because again, he's just saying like, yeah, these muscled up guys, they're all just idiots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciated that that Teddy Roosevelt joke. Yeah, <laughs> but he's already dead. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> he sure is. And there's the callback later in the issue with it too. Yeah. Which one of you? I got one question. Which one of you is Roosevelt? <laughs> <laughs> they gotta open up another one because their their TV juice went away again. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. it's it's really fun. It's just fun watching them like bicker. Like they almost all don't want to be doing this. But since it's their brother, they feel like they have to. And I've like my cousins will were all very, very active. And so they all had to participate in whatever their brothers were doing. <laughs> and so I, I understand this sort of you're showing up because you have to and you kind of enjoy it, but you kind of don't. But you get the the right to kind of complain about what's happening because yes. you're there supporting your family. And I love that dynamic amongst the Fleabiacs. It's great. Yep. Yeah, they're funny. Also, I love that Clown's first thought is, I got this head and body stuck to my arm. I'll go to the mall. <laughs> of course. And he's angry about it. Yeah, he's all I'm, t- all I'm trying to do is saw this up with a hacksaw. I didn't even get through the spine, and the police are already coming after me. Yeah. hate the human world. This is horrible. Yeah. These people get, get away with a lot more before cell phones. Yeah. Yes. I also do like that they're commenting now that AB, AB negative is the, is the sweet spot for blood. That's the good stuff. stuff. That's the good stuff. That's like the HD DVD of its day. (laughs) Or I guess HD DVD lost out the Blu-ray, didn't it? I guess that was. Yeah. Blu-ray one. Come on. (sighs) Yeah. I bet on the wrong one. <laughs> I had some HD DVD. Yeah, I did. I bet on the wrong one because I remember the whole the whole uh, VHS and Betamax. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I and I rem- remember reading an article. And if this is this if this is too racy, don't just just cut me off. But I remember <laughs> reading an article, and they said the reason that VHS won was technologically mm-hmm. wise, Betamax was better, but porn chose VHS. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that won. Yeah. Because because all the porn companies went that. So when HD DVD and Blu-ray started, Blu-ray was really like hoity-toity about it. So uh-huh. at first they didn't allow, I was working at Sony at the time. And so they didn't oh. allow it. So HD DVD was like, we'll allow porn on our on our HD DVDs. So a lot of the porn comes, I'm like, it's going to be HD DVD again. Yeah. And I was totally wrong. And, and Blu-ray just completely went out. Wow. So. Yeah, I remember, when, I remember it was a big deal when Disney finally chose. That yeah. was, I think, the tipping point for them. Yeah, because I remember people, because, you know, Sony obviously was always Blu-ray and all their property, but I remember when Disney chose Blu-ray, that was a big deal. Yeah. I had the little, there was a little attachment for the Xbox 360 that was an HD DVD drive, and I <laughs> yep. had that. And eventually they were selling them for like five bucks. I got yeah. it like really cheap. Yeah. You could get it when they were closing it all out, but I had like five or six of them. I can't even remember what they were, but. 
I also had a laser disc player. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So yeah, that's great. It looks cool. You think you're all high tech, but then then the movie stops in the middle of it. You got to turn it over like a record (laughs) right in the middle of it. Yeah. But yeah, but there was, they always put out like super special editions of like Blade Runner. It was like, here's the three and a half hour cut. And I remember having the Japanese cut of Dune, uh, which had like an additional like 45 minutes or an hour worth of material. So it's like, well, it was worth getting. I think the laser disc cuts of the original Star Wars are still the preferred. These yeah. are the ones that were released before the special editions. I think those are like the preferred cuts of the original Star Wars for like people that don't want the special edition stuff. Yeah. Which is interesting. But and then we get this Wanted great, like we're at the mall and like you get this great kind of mall action scene. Like I feel like a lot of 90s action scenes take place at the mall, 80s and 90s. It's just kind of a common place for action to break out. X-Men, the animated series kind of caused all that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They were at the mall. All the time. <laughs> hey, what are you going to Jubilee wants to go to the mall. Come exactly. On. Yeah. But yeah. Then we get the admonisher in his full glory here. <laughs> He's here to give you a darn good telling off. Well, that's, I was cracking up because I love like how unexpected that he just says stuff like he doesn't cuss. Like you'd th- you expect him to be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. But he's just like addressing down a little critical feedback. Like that was hilarious. So that page, so that page that has him saying, uh, dressing down and a little critical feedback. Yeah. Th- this one right here. Yeah. So when we were, that was my first time meeting Steve Olaf at SpawnCon. I I'd talked to him before, um, but we hadn't had a lot of, of interaction other than online. So he had actually, he gave me the color guide for this page. Oh, so cool. it's the original, it's, it's the scan of the original art that he hand colored to send to the printer for them to do. So we have, I have that page in the office now and he signed that for me. As, as a gift. Awesome. I, I do love how this and also the next couple of action sequences are. It's it's one background that they've broken up into panels. So it's like seamless. It it's, is. It is beautifully it's done. It's amazing. Yeah. It is absolutely exceptionally done. And you do not see that a lot in comics anymore. There's so much just breaking every panel. But doing stuff like this is is really, really cool. And there's like so much like just like tiny continuity through it that just gives a little bit extra. Like the fact that the gun flies out of their hands here and then just continues on and falls on somebody's head over here. Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, no, this is awesome. That kind of action flowing through the panels continues on the next page when he does the when he yeah, does that later. flip, which is yeah. so awesome. Like, I just yeah. I don't know. You just see that perfectly of him doing that hop and getting up there before him. It's just great. Also, the yeah. The guy throwing up continuity is pretty great because, like, he's still throwing up a couple pages later. <laughs> Someone's throwing up. Yeah, the dude in the yellow jacket on the yeah. the third page. Oh, of the page, and then he's oh, still throwing yeah, I up, see him. and then a couple. Of and pages he's, later. he's throwing up on the splash as well. There's <laughs> there's just so much fun background detail that doesn't. There's really no reason for it to actually be there other than it's just fun and good. I think they they put maybe more time into this than uh, some people think that they should have for a, a gross-out book for 14-year-old boys. But, it but I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah. the yeah. It's amazing. And you're getting you're getting a ton of incredible Orzakowski lettering uh-huh. yeah. all throughout oh, this. Yeah. All of the all of the sound effects, all of the 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 bold the bolded words for feed monitor. It's just it's just phenomenal. Do you know when the shift from largely hand lettering to doing digital lettering happened? Um, I think it was 
post 50, if I remember correctly. Okay. I don't know if it was exactly on 50, but yeah, I, I, I've seen some of the original pages okay. and literally like they would just send the real inked page yeah. to Tom and then he would just letter onto the page. Nice. And then, you know, then as the technology advanced, then they started doing it like he, they would letter over acetate mm -hmm. or on a scan of it. But like some of the early pages was like literally like they just sent it and he would just literally hand letter on it. Man. And you and I love that because you'd see all the white out, yeah, and you see all the corrections and like the little notes in the border. Like that's why I, I love like the the artist editions of 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 the old stuff, um, because you can just see all of the the actual notes and and changes that have been done to the pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was actually recently a an interview with Todd McFarlane for New Year's that Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg did. Oh heck yeah! And they were they were talking about how much they love how kind of rough a finished actual page is because it you know it loses some fidelity in the transfer to the comic book so mm -hmm. even though it's finished there's still like little artifacts and things that you can just kind of trace down and yeah yeah we were so we're putting together you know we're, we're looking at you know we do the vault editions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're putting together another one and we were looking at the scans and we had really clean scans of the pages um, from some of the early issues of spawn and we decided like we didn't want to use the super clean scans of the inks because like you said they're just pristine and white and black mm -hmm. because they've all been touched up so it's like all right we're gonna go re-pull out the pages and just hard scan them and then that's it not yeah. touch them up you want to see the little pencil nicks you want to see the fingerprints yeah. the white out uh the tape of yeah. like because they cut a panel out moved around like that's to, to me like you said all those little artifacts are what shows the blood sweat and tears that went into these books mm -hmm. Yeah. And tears of, uh, I love the little detail of the guy vomiting that he's like vomiting so hard that he is crying. <laughs> he's crying. <laughs> I mean, if you saw like a head on a m man's hand like that, I might, I might throw up. Yeah. I, I had a New Year's Eve where I drank too much crack and rum. And I'm, <laughs> I'm almost positive I was crying as well at the same That'll time. Happen. Yeah. That was a rough, that was a rough one. I have not touched that since. I love the detail. He has the knife on the back of his hand. Like that's such a nineties, like the straps. Yeah. It's such a 90s little detail of that. Then the Flebiac siblings are all wondering whether they should go they should go help their brother and they get into they're basically doing a wishbone sort of oh, man. Rochambeau kind kind of thing to figure out what they should do. <laughs> and it's Well yeah, the, this is the part I was talking about where the yeah. guy's like, I wanna wake up, I wanna wake up. And you just think about like how horrific this would be to be one of those souls. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I do like how like they don't show us who has the most half of the body. We, they just leave it up to letting us know which side won. Because I think that would be hard to judge. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. It's also real real upsetting that the, the cage, you can see the cage is all dirty. That's a... That's a oh, gruesome, yeah, I didn't even a notice that. little detail that... They're, yeah, they're, they're living in, in the filth for it's, sure. Oh, yeah. It's... Oh, boy. And then we get this. This is interesting page because this is good. They go through this in the processing or the process work that we'll get to at the in the back of the issue. But just love this. I don't know. You got the you got the guy still throwing up. It's just yeah. yeah. There's such continuity to it. It's crazy. It's yeah. great. A sound ticking off. <laughs> in all the fashions, tongue lashing. <laughs> it's fun. There's a lot in this page. Very '90s weapons. Yeah. As well. Oh yeah. Very. I just like the guns. Yeah, any gun that has like five different attachments. It has like a rocket launcher on top of a gun with a giant sight on it. Like anything like that is great. And or... it's all chromed. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. The the arrows that have like space age technology in them. 
mm-hmm. kind of thing. I like how he's just got like little grenades bouncing around on his belt. <laughs> it makes oh, me yeah. it makes me a little worried that one of them's going to go off. But I mean, uh, there is a kind of an explosion because yeah, because he, well, he shoots, decide to help he shoots, their brother. He shoots the exploding arrow, but doesn't hit the violator and hits a whole bunch of people. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> the amount of the amount of carnage and the consider yourself reprimanded. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! And then yeah, again with the with the the one single seamless background that kind of just like morphs into a melting hell world because because there's a lot yeah. of, a lot of hell and hell hellborn energy coming. The out. the amount of two page spreads in this is impressive. Yeah, yeah. There's and, a lot. And again, the, the, I like you said, I really love that it's just it's the same scene, but you're just getting the changes mm-hmm. ever so slightly from panel to panel. Yeah. Without just drawing a fresh panel. It just tells the story very well. And that's something that I've not struggled with, but like I, since I haven't read comics my whole life, sometimes I've like have trouble wrangling certain things out of the story. And I I had trouble at first, like, what am I supposed to be paying attention to, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes with comics and like, I've gotten better at it, but it is a different medium and like reading it is a certain language that you kind of have to pick up on. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, yeah, people don't realize how much lettering, the lettering placement and color all help tell that story. Yeah. You know, that the page going back to the one at the top, like like this this page right here, that's that's a page. It's just full of information. Mm. But you can see, like you got, you see that the people he's close to, but then you get the ones in the top right corner, they put the color hold on it. So you can tell like, okay, you're giving a little bit more depth to that. That makes this page a little bit easier to read. If those were all colored, you might lose the admonisher at the top of the page. Yeah. It might not be as clean and clear. So you still get, and obviously the, the clown face being that bright blue helps him stand out quite a bit. Yeah. So you still get that. And then I really like, I really like the last page because when, when the Plebeac brothers all show up, yeah. because they could have, they could have pulled that back where you kind of got a good shot of all of them, but instead it's, it's pushed so far up and you're just getting all of these little cutouts of face. Yeah. To me, it makes them more imposing. It makes them scarier. It makes them way more monstrous than if you had gotten the full bodies of all of them at once. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No. And they're, and the, they're pretty horrific that the biggest one you only get like a little bit of his face so then you're yes. left to imagine what's what's exactly outside. exactly your your mind is going to fill in a lot of that I, I do like that the one that we see the most of is good old Vinny, who we've already met so yes. we already we already know about what size he is i love the goatee on this one he has like the long chin he's also <laughs> got like a goatee we're big yep. fans of old malbolge's hairy belly he always had yeah. a hairy belly yes and he had the great quaff beautiful hair on that, on that. <laughs> yes he did good that was a lot that was a lot of individual lines for that hair that was good stuff and are you guys reading scorched yes. oh, of course yes okay so you, so you've seen the sister. You've seen the sister has just been introduced. They're not all here yet. Yeah. We've They're got not. the other sibling. Yeah. No, we've, we've actually talked about on the show just like the John Lehman stuff has been really like some of our favorite stuff. And like he's really yeah. killing it. That, he, that, that issue where they go to the bar was so good. Yeah. Yeah. He he came on board at, at, at such an awkward time because we knew what was going to be leading up to 350. We knew what's happening at 351. And I won't spoil it, but but. For people that, hey, maybe maybe I'm going to be interested in Spawn. Maybe I'll give it a shot. 
350 is a great starting point for not just Spawn, but for all of the core titles. Because it th- when 351 hits and the month that all of the other books come out. So when 351 comes out and then I don't, unfortunately, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But the, that month when King Spawn, Scorched and Gunslinger Spawn all come out that month, that is all like new direction, new start, new storyline for all four of the main books. So this is your starting point. Read 350 because it's just an absolutely beautiful issue. And that kind of gives you the, the cap on the who's now running hell. And then that next month is your starting point for all of the core titles. And so John started right before that. So we had, he had to do like a couple of issues where it was like three or four issues of just like kind of fill in story before we could get to his story that he was planning on doing. So yeah, when he pitched the bar scene, he goes, it's not going to be a lot of action, but you know, I want to introduce a new, a new violator sibling. And and we're going to just talk about the core team. And, and, and I'm like, that sounds great. That sounds great because for a lot of Scorch, like they've been nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. There's been no downtime for them. I mean, even if you look at the old X-Men books, they they still played volleyball every once in a while. They <laughs> right. still they still lounged around the pool. Yeah. Uh, and they've had no no downtime. So John was able to kind of like, all right, everyone settle. You're the core team, guys. The three of us. Who who do we want on this team? What's our mission? And so he has been amazing at getting this book a little bit refocused. And then the stuff that's going to be coming out post 350 is is going to pull your mind. Oh, it's so good. It's so, Sweet. so good. Same thing with Rory's stuff. And I, I did make Todd sit with me and talk about his storylines for King Spong and Gunslinger. So he does have a blueprint of where he's going with those books as well. Um, but yeah, the next the next year for the Spawn books are, are going to be are super cool. I'm so excited for it. Awesome. I can't help but feel like Sean Lewis was was being a, a little bit of a, a stinker with how he left his run of the Scorched because that was an un- unenviable place to start a yeah. run. And just seeing how easily it seems like, like John Lehman was able to like take it and then just immediately turn it into something else was yeah. masterful to witness. I I, I love Sean. I, th- I love what Sean did mm. on King Spawn. I think oh, yeah. he, he changed the direction of what people expected out of a Spawn book. So I, I really think that Sean put his mark and left a, a very positive aspect of himself on the Spawn titles. Scorch was just a weird animal. You know, it's the first attempt at like a team book mm. in this universe. Not all of it hit really well, yeah. but Sean's the, the, the current stuff that Sean is doing elsewhere within Image is just absolutely incredible. So I'm still a huge fan of Sean and I yeah. we oh, still chat every once in a while. And I will say it's not been solicited yet, but that is not the last time you're going to read some Sean Lewis in the Spawn universe. Hell yeah. So I'll just Good. I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Because we are a fan. So yeah, we'll, appreciate we'll, that. We're going to see some more. You're going to see some more Sean Lewis very soon. Excellent. Great. Excellent. Like I just said, those first like three issues of King Spawn. That's like what really I was like, I'm yeah. a big, I'm going to be a Spawn yeah. fan yeah. now. Like I love this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And Scorch 7 still remains one of my favorite Spawn issues ever. It was just, it was a beautiful little single character piece about Jessica Priest. Oh, yes. She is my favorite character without it, without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Jessica. So like I have my little thing when somebody's like, hey, I'm going to do some Jessica Priest stuff or a cover. And I always have to be like, OK, guys, like we don't do TNA covers with Jessica. Yeah. She's sexy because she's badass. Yeah. But she we're not we're not unzipping the suit. Yeah. We're not, yeah. She's not going to have a boob window, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there have been very sexy covers. Uh, Puppeteer Lee did the one on the motorcycle. Very sexy. And Tauntaun Revolver's done some some really sexy covers. But overall, like we try to keep her like she is the leader. She is is not the the sexy vampy character even though todd then did do the whole thing where she showed gunslinger her boobs uh and i'm like todd Todd." he's like what it it makes sense in the in the part of of what she was trying to teach him and i'm like all right you're not wrong there yeah but uh, but she's my favorite (laughs) oh yeah yeah 
100%. We're big Jessica fans. Yeah. I I like to think that anytime that there's like a a butt shot of Jessica in an issue, it's a it's a dare. Like like we respect her so much and she's so powerful that, that it's like you almost feel like if you linger on any bit too far, she's going to actually come off the page and and stop know, that. Give you what for? Yeah. So, yeah. So. But we're you're going to see you're going to see a lot more of her uh, uh, in the next few months. Sweet. Awesome. A little a, a big a bigger focus on her. So great. some exciting stuff planned. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, so that's the end of the the first issue here. We open on the Fleabiac or end on the Fleabiacs surrounding their brother here, and he doesn't look too excited. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Not at all. And it says next the flesh. So this was the world, and next is the flesh. But then we get this really fun behind the scenes stuff, and it's it's actually yes. quite fortuitous that that we get to cover this with somebody who this is there every day. Yeah, so, this is your this zone. Is, uh, this, yeah, this this is very much this is very much my zone, and our our work process has changed a bit since then. Obviously, the three hundred and fifty issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Todd is very much now coming from an artist and and transitioning from being like the the art talent behind the books to being a kind of creative director and writer on a lot of the books. Now he is still an artist at heart. So you see here, like Alan Moore's would, was providing a script. So most of our writers right now they don't work via script first. They give a plot which is the plot is a loose description of what's happening on the pages. And that's it. And I think Javi is the perfect example of how well that works. So Todd just basically was like, Javi, this is what's happening on the page. He doesn't even necessarily break it into panels. He just says, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then Javi gets to interpret that however Javi wants. And sometimes that is doing panel work, or sometimes he'll be like, hey guys, I have a really good idea. I'm going to take those two pages, just turn it into a double page spread, and it's going to be this great montage, and Spawn's going to be jumping across the page, and you're going to have all these little memory balloons. And it's like, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. And so that's how it works. Another great but different look is when Todd and Brett Booth were working on Gunslinger. And again, as the editor-in-chief, sometimes I'm terrified and horrified by how (laughs) these books were put together. But sometimes... Brett getting plot for an issue is literally me in Todd's office and Todd would get on a phone call like, Brett, um, what do you want to draw this week? And Brett would be like, I want to draw like a werewolf monster, but he's Frankenstein and he's got all different pieces. He's like, cool. Uh, give me two pages of Gunslinger walking through the woods, uh, five pages of them fighting. Uh, Gunslinger is going to win, but he's going to be, looks like he's losing. And then we'll do like three pages of wrap up. Tell me when those are done. And then I'll give you the rest of the issue. And that's literally the first 12 pages of plot for Brett. Booth. And that's all that is. And then Todd would be like, write that up, put that in the plot document. <laughs> that's, it sounds a lot like hearing St- Stan Lee when he used to talk about the Marvel process. Yes, exactly. So, because Todd's like, as an artist, I never wanted to be told how many panels on my page. Yeah. I didn't want any, a, a writer posing my characters for me. I might come up with something better. Alan Moore is a tough person to sing out to. So you probably got got Alan Moore. That Bart was probably happy to work with Alan. But yeah, so that's kind of how it is. We, most of our books are done loose plot. There are exceptions. Jimmy Palmiotti and Patrick Reynolds, who are going to be doing Gunslinger Tales. Jimmy was used to doing full script. And Patrick said, no, I... I prefer working with full script. So I'll let me do that. So they're working in a full script model, but there's still a lot of collaboration where Patrick will send in the, his roughs and his thumbnails and go, Hey, I did it like this. I feel this angle works better. And Jimmy's like, Oh yeah, man, that looks great. Let's do that instead. So there is still the collaboration between artist and writer, but for the most part, the books are just written with a, with a very loose plot. And then scripting comes after the pages are in, because if you look, luckily Alan Moore is a master and he didn't have to do too much craziness, but a lot of modern comics are a little bit more wordy than they used to be. So now you've got to figure out like, I don't want my word balloons covering the top of Spawn's head. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to have to rewrite a little bit to fit them in different places than we were originally planning for. So that's where like when you see me post on my Instagram about press day, that's a lot of what we're doing is we're taking that final lettering 
monitoring and trying to figure out the best places. Because sometimes it'll lay on perfectly where we would expect it to do. But then there's other times like, nope, we got to change that. Or you know what? This panel's way more powerful if it's silent. So let's let's rewrite this so we don't have to have something here. And that's that's what our press day tasks are. I was doing the rewrites for that final issue. Wow. That's, that's a lot of work, especially being somebody who's on it all the time. You then have to try to to see it again as though you're seeing it for the first time, even though you've seen it like every day for the past month. That that's an yeah. unenviable task. It is. It is because sometimes you just you just forget. I've yeah. got I've got so many books coming in daily, and then there's the ones that are actually going to press. Yeah, you just kind of forget, and you got to go. Okay, I got to go back and recenter. And then the other conversations are usually from the writers who are great, and I'll be like, Hey, can I do this? Can I, can I have this character? Can I do this to this character? And can I say that this happened? And then I'm the one that has to go through 350 issues, 30 <laughs> years of continuity and going, all right, what did we say? Where was this character the last time we saw them? Were they dead? Were they married? <laughs> and I have to figure that out. Yeah. And so that's that's why we have the archive because it's it's I, I pull I have issues like all over the desk reading and I'm pulling out graphic novels and like wait what happened what did Robert Kirkman write in Haunt issue four again like what was that <laughs> and so coming up with that so again and that's where we kind of come across every once in a while yeah something slips through and they're yeah. like somebody said this or somebody did that or you know even even Todd like he wrote a flashback in 349 I think of King's or not 340 but King Spawn the issue 29 and he had like a flashback of Al's childhood and somebody called out in the letters it was like oh no 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 his his childhood was established as this in issue three and it's like okay I'm sorry I, 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 it can't it can't always be perfect it can't always yeah. be, it has to change because sometimes you need to have a motivation. And yes, it's going to be a little different. I'm sure Batman's origin has been retold dozens and dozens of times. And I'm sure it's been slightly different every time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're just going to go with it. And I hope that you enjoy the story. Well, it's well, that's the difference is like if you're enjoying the story, if you're in King Spawn, the, it's not about the continuity. It's about the drama of learning about Al's life in that issue and what a heavy life he had between like, yeah the abuse you witness and like stuff on the streets and just like, that's what it's about. It's not about like, well, you know, if you're, I think if you're enjoying it, you know, I don't want to gatekeep to anybody, but if you're enjoying it, right. It's cause it's, it's to tell this, it's a tool to tell the story, not to be beholden to continuity. Yeah. I think is better. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a continuity nut. I do. Sure. I do get that continuity yeah. matters. But then again, like I said, we're, we're also not, not in a place where we're ever going to reboot our universe. We're, we're not going to have a crisis. You know, that's not going to happen. We're not, and we're not going to renumber. So it has to be, it's not that, continuity is ignored or forgotten but it needs to be fluid yeah mm -hmm. and so that's that's how certain things just have have to be yeah and, i mean it, it for us to continue going forward we, we, and not retell the same story you know yeah. it has to be like you know when we when we introduced that cog was was kane yeah you know that changed some of the things that he had said yeah. and then you can go okay well maybe he was lying and then when we introduced his brother abel, abel as Kane. the first redeemer it was like okay that that changes a little bit about how the redeemers were because you know in one issue they said they were they used to be called anti-spawns but that's not a cool word yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so we, we said he was they they've been redeemers since the beginning and again it's just this minor shift that to me introduced a really awesomely cool character in the forsaken mm -hmm. which we're going to see a ton more of 
Yeah. And and got to it got to flesh out this cool rivalry where it's not. And again, that's one of the things that Todd's looking to do. It's like not everything has to be Al. Like he's important, but he's not necessarily the focal point of the universe. Mm-hmm. And he wrote some really, really great dialogue for Clown in the lead up to 350 in King Spawn. It was the, when they had kidnapped Cyan mm-hmm. and Spawn rescued her. And then Clown shows up at the end and he's like, hey, I need to talk to you. We need to go to hell together. And he has this great set of lines where Spawn goes, well, yeah, if I help you and you get on the throne of hell, you're going to come back here and you're going to kill us all. And Clown's like, you're not even in my top five. <laughs> Five people that I'm yeah. going to kill once I become the ruler of hell. Yes, you're a nuisance. And maybe to me, I'm your biggest threat. But bro, I've lived for millions of years. I have way bigger grudges than you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, it flushes out that universe. So now to know that Sin and the Forsaken are like, bro, like mortal enemies. He, ha- he has this great line where he's like, you know, you're a killer. He's like, no, I invented murder. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like that that rivalry is more than Spawn. Yeah. And so we might see that play out in pages. So introducing some characters and not just having them be the foil of Spawn is something that we're looking to do. So that's why you have seen this influx of characters kind of come back since 300. You know, Soul Crusher came back and we introduced, you know, there's Reaper and a Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you've been paying attention, we haven't revealed who Redeemer really is. No, yet. we have been. I'm very curious. But John Layman asked in that scorched issue that you were talking about in the yeah. bar, she, she Jessica turns to her, she goes, Hey, I can't keep calling you Redeemer. He's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess my name is and and it yeah. got cut up. We we have a plan. Trust me, this is not we're not just throwing stuff on the wall and see if it sticks. There is a plan for that. There is a reason why here. There's also a reason why if you read Bond 174 and 175, Jeremiah Winston is the gunslinger mm-hmm. and he's a bastard. He murders a whole town, men, women, and children. And that's where he his story just walks off into the sunset. But the current gunslinger is called Javi and, and you, his flashbacks are not referring to him as Jeremiah. That's not because we messed up continuity. There is a story behind that. And that story, and here I'm going to pitch it, is told in Deadly Tales of the Gunslinger's Fall. Hell yeah. So you're going to get, you are going to get the true origin of the gunslinger spawn and why it contradicts 174, 175, because there is a story method behind it. We didn't just forget. Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. We recently reviewed the issue that had sort of the founding of the redeemers with like all the redeemers through the years. And I think we need a, I think we need a mini series of the redeemers because those were some pretty cool guys. There yeah. There were some, the and there were some guy. really fun designs. Yeah. yeah. There were some yeah. really, there was like really a bone fun redeemer. designs in that. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. I, I dig that. Those, those should be fun. The, the interesting part is, you know, and I think it's been established in continuity, but again, we can be flexible is they were almost kind of like mindless. They were controlled. Mm-hmm. And obviously you saw that with Eddie Frank as the redeemer in 300, 301, where Al kind of like breaks that control and says, I'm not taking your powers. You just don't have the control. So he kind of transforms into Reaper, but the current redeemer really doesn't have that control. He's like working with the hell spawns because he has his own agenda and Al does know it. There, it has been established that he met with Al and said, hey, this is who I am and this is why I'm here. And I was like, all right, you're on the yeah. team. Um, So it has been established that some of the characters are aware of what and who he is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we will get to that. And, and I think John Layman's story in the Scorch, we will be touching base with that a little bit. Awesome. Follow, a follow-up question. Does that mean we get to learn the story of the Yeti that the Redeemer is fighting when Spawn <laughs> comes to pick him up at one point? Uh, possibly. Okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm here for a Yeti book. Yes. Absolutely. Well, David, you have kind of a connection to this Fun Violator fan art at oh, the back. Oh, yeah. So on, on the Violator fan art, this number one, this Darren Glenn from Muskogee, Oklahoma. Muskogee, Oklahoma is my hometown. Nice. <laughs> so I spent all day yesterday texting everybody I knew being like, do you know a Darren Glenn? So far, <laughs> so far nothing. Nada. 
Oh, we tried. It's a small town. Come up though. Yeah, there were like forty thousand people. So that's. I've got to know somebody who knows Darren Glenn. Yeah, I mean it can't be that big of a town, right? No. Yeah, we get two two Oklahomans. Yeah. Yeah, there's two, and then and then I love the violator medallion. Just send in five hundred and ninety five dollars for I a, four, a fourteen carat. You should do this again. Sell jewelry like that. <laughs> uh, I fourteen carat with ruby eyes for yeah, yeah six hundred bucks. I, I mean, I know we have it. We have like Todd has Todd has like a case in his office. Yeah, that has like all of the little pieces of of trinkets and stuff that that has come out and that has been made. But yeah, like people people ask all the time, like why do why do you guys not sell t shirts? Why do you not have hoodies and hats? And, and Todd's like, yeah, it's really really cool. He goes, but I I want to be a comic book guy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to own a clothing company. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, we'll we'll probably still do small runs of shirts here and there, but like we're just so focused on toys and the and the, the movie and and comics at this point that it's just like that's an entirely new business to start. Yeah, yeah. So. Speaking of movies, if you had one of these, you could be this could be the item uh, that is contested in Uncut Gems too. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh my god. They're going a, after a the violator medallion. They're going to go after the violator medallion. Oh, that'd be <laughs> phenomenal. That would be great. Yeah, we got to do that. We know it. Todd knows some actors. There you go. Todd knows some actors. We're, we've uh, we've worked with a few of them. I still think that the highlight of the Spawn movie is John Leguizamo. Oh yeah. I will never, oh, yeah. I will never not shout that from the rooftops. We talk about that like every three or four episodes. Yeah. He's so good. He's just wonderful anyway. He is. He is. And I got to I got to edit his book. Mm. Um, we put out we put out his comic uh, Phenomics, which was a four issue miniseries that he wrote. Mm, nice. Uh, and he when he when it was done, he came to Todd. and was like, hey, do you want to put this out? And one day Todd walks in and he's got his phone in his hand. And I hear him going, hold on. Hold, John, hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm in the office with my editor in chief. Uh, Thomas, say hi to John Leguizamo. I'm like, hey, John. He's like, and I hear John Leguizamo. He's like, Thomas, I'm so excited to be working with you. And I'm like, and I'm going, what are we doing? What? <laughs> And he's like, Thomas is going to be running your book for you. If you have any questions, talk to him. And it was funny. I thought it was a really good book. Oh, nice. And That's now we're working. Now we're working with David Dusmalkian. Nice. Oh yeah. Coconut Man. Yeah. For yeah. Knights versus Samurai. So uh, that was announced uh, last year at San Diego Comic-Con, and that is in full swing right now, and that's going to be a fun one. David cool. is just knocking that one out of the park. Uh, and then Fede Mele, who's doing the art on it, is just super cool. Yeah, he, uh, he's he been really killing it. Just like, I don't know, he, he got to host, he's been doing like that horror host comic that's really good. Yes, and- Count Crowley. Yeah, it's so good. I, I read it the is. first two. Yeah, it's, it's it's awesome. And just like, I, I can't remember if we talked about it, David, but it's like a woman who's struggling with alcoholism that ends up kind of inadvertently becoming a horror host, like Joe Bob Briggs oh, or Sam yeah. Gooley yeah. or something. And it's really good. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's been doing that for a few years. See that? Because that's, that's, that's David's love, that he's not a celebrity that's just wanting to put out a comic book to add that to his his portfolio. Like, this is this is David's love. We get on a Zoom call, and his room is just full. It's full of horror, horror memorabilia and, and art. And, like, that's – so he's he's writing the things he's passionate about, and it, and it really comes across. That's awesome. Nice. He also has some fantastic shirts, so. Yeah. He's always a snazzy looking. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. But Got some, the, advertisements some ads. Yeah, for, some ads for the uh the pit and blood strike. For blood strike. Is that is that is that night is that Nighthawk or is that somebody else? Do you know? That's Chapel right there, right? Well Chapel's in front of him, but the big yeah, guy. Yeah, Chapel's in, the back, in front of him. He looks a little bit like Nighthawk. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I never jumped on the blood strike bandwagon. No, I don't know sure. about him. Yeah. The extreme studio stuff didn't do a whole lot for me. And then you got uh I guess Vanguard, but the the Pit had yeah. his own sh- his own series too, right? Yes, there. I think they did a bunch of mini series, but I think oh, okay. it ran uh, it ran for a while. 
yeah pit was always a fun character yeah i know yeah. i know he bounced around between a lot of the a lot of the issues too because i think there was a pit max crossover once too right yeah they did they did man they did tons of crossovers back in the day there's been some there's been some really great ones well that's violator number one it's violator number one that's that's the whole shebang. Are you gonna go? Are you guys gonna go through two and three, or are you just kind of jumping into the, oh, yeah. the first? Yeah, episode? we're gonna do them. Um, next two episodes will be two and three. Oh, so okay, cool. After this, yeah, because so. that surprise artist jumping on on, on oh, issue yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the that was when I was looking through stuff. That was the first one I pulled out, and I was like, I don't remember this. And Johnny was like, yeah. I don't think that's right. Yeah, because I was like, I don't think Greg Capullo did it because I just read the first one, but <laughs> but he did the yeah, third one. He, he pops on. He pops on to the third one. Does a does a classic cover, and that's definitely that's definitely classic Capullo spawn art in there. Yeah, good good can't stuff. Can't wait to get to it. Yeah, we'll be that'll be coming soon. Right on. Well, this is the part of the show where we what do we call it, David? Well, so I always I've even got one right here that I can show you. I'm always I've got I've always got a dog with me somewhere. Nice. So this part <laughs> of the this is the part of the episode where we get to rate the puppies. The puppy, of course, being the issue, but occasionally we rate the dogs too. <laughs> occasionally so it's time to rate the puppies and today we covered violet everyone number one like i said at the beginning or like we were saying throughout i thought it's just an awesome time capsule to that time and it's just alan moore being very clever like i love the admonisher i love how he talks and how silly it is so i'm gonna give this five heads stuck to my arm a five out of five nice <laughs> what about you, David? What about me? I, I agree. So, I mean, anything Alan Moore writes, I'm going to be there. Like, I got the Alan Moore bug when I started reading Swamp Thing. If you could do a crossover with Swamp Thing, I'd be very I'd be very into that. Uh, oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be perfect. Uh, I mean, with there, like, the, the Heap and Green World and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Well, I mean, there was totally, a, if you followed it, there's totally a nod to it when yeah. when you see Nix's like rebirth uh -huh. and they have part the parliament like that was intentional yeah. to be like all, all of the because they've already established kind yeah. of like swamp thing and and man thing yeah and parliament of trees it's like you know we're going to just say that they're all um, they're all they're all the important part in time i'm pretty sure i said something about this is very parliament of trees-esque and then john yeah. was like what's the parliament of trees yeah so, oh, david's yeah. david's more of a comic guy than i he knows more That's, of the lore. swamp thing is just great swamp thing is just great it's an excellent story drawn and written way better than it than there's really any need to and I'm very appreciative of that. I know that's that's a weird thing to say that it's done better than people who do this as a living should have done it, but it doesn't need to go as hard as it does. And I love that it, that it goes that hard. And I'm gonna give it. I'm also gonna give it five. I'm gonna give it five errant guns to the head over here. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> so, that's just just emblematic of the detail that goes into it and it, it's a horrifying thought to think of people having a fight in a mall and a gun being thrown and impaling somebody's head but it's also kind of yeah kind of funny <laughs> yeah i i agree exactly with what you said this this does not need to be as good as it is yeah i mean Al, alan moore and not only is this just, you know, it's a three issue mini series that probably at the time, a lot of people just thought as a throwaway mm -hmm. side pro who cares about the mob thing, yeah. but, but he introduces the brothers and, and more lore for that. And, and they've become a huge part of this fun universe. I still get letters all the time. When are you guys going to bring back the Plebeac brothers? <laughs> when are you going to bring them? Read Scorched. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Read Scorched. But 
Yeah, it, it goes way, way harder than it, it needed to be. And then like we were talking about, Bart Sears' use of the double page spread panels yeah. that just continue that just continue on, I think is just ingenious and you don't see enough. Tom Orzakowski's lettering on here is is incredible as well. Yeah. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that five throwing up swamp thing heads out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Uh that's great. So we always we always shout out somebody in the Spawn community to build the friend group because we've found that everybody that we've interacted with in the Instagram Spawn community has just been fantastic. They've all been so good. And so we like to to help pass on the the communal aspect of that by shouting somebody out on Instagram. Oh nice. If if you wouldn't mind, we would like to promote you as an individual to talk to on Instagram. Like Absolutely. if you aren't following Thomas Healy, you should follow Thomas Healy. He's great. Yeah. I'm pretty vocal and I pretty much talk and answer anybody that that messages me might take a day or two if I'm in the middle of a, of a deadline, but a lot of people reach out with fan questions. So yeah, absolutely. Feel free to follow me. I'm, I'm at Thomas Healy. Nice. nice and easy. Yeah, nice. We are at regarding Spawn pod. So if you're listening and haven't been following us, be sure to give us a follow. We're posting our pickups, our episode releases, us being goofy goofing off so come check us out while you're over there also stop by brian's page brian underscore voils underscore 27 he does our music and he's he posts some silly silly horror stuff from time to time so so give him a check out (laughs) and uh if you have any questions for us you know how to reach thomas it's uh is it spawning grounds at yeah spawning ground at uh mcfarland.com Hit them up there. But if you want to hit us up, if you want to yell at us about we got our opinions <laughs> wrong or continuity wrong, you hit us up at regarding spawn pod at gmail.com. And we still have the, the podcast promise. If you send us a letter, we will read it on air. And if you send us your address, we'll send you some stickers. So yeah. keep that going. And that pretty much wraps it up, right, David? Did I yes. forget anything? Yes. Oh, what are we doing oh. next week? So next week we're doing... Two issues of uh, Spawn's universe, and we're going to read them and talk about them. Our our classic for next week is going to be Violator number two. And then our contemporary one is going to be Spawn 347. We're still on that road to hell. Nice. We're getting there. Trying to find out whose booty is going to be put on the throne. So it's, like I said before, we're rooting for butts. <laughs> it's a game of butts and a game of a throne. Who are your guesses? Well... So a throwaway guess would be Cygor, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Do you had a you after the newest issue? You had a theory, David. What after, was your theory? After this newest issue, I had a theory that Rory McConville might do a sneaky somehow finding a way to get Nix on the throne because Nix is Nix is full of full of feelings and is not wanting to play the game that she has been made to play. And I thought that it could be a, a very there's there's a there's a path for her to eventually be the ruler of hell, and I think it would be very fitting. It would also be like out of nowhere. So that's kind of what I'm writing for. I'm writing for it to be Nyx now. All right. And what about you, John? Oh, uh, let me think. I, I'm i thinking, I don't know. I, I think it might be Spawn just because like it's been such a thing for so long and maybe it'll just be like finally he's on the throne. But if not Spawn, I'm going to go with uh, Sam Burke. <laughs> he's going to come out of nowhere <laughs> there with a go. box of donuts <laughs> and a revolver and he's going to take the throne. There's going to be there's going to be just like a, a a panel or two where he he's Pac-Manning along a line of donuts until he gets to the throne and is like, "Oh, now I'm tired. I'm just going to sit down." <laughs> so, you you did kind of figure it out. So, I'll, I'll give you the spoiler for for 350 and you can 
put this on the, the air if you want to. But basically, 350 is just basically our, our take of that movie falling down with Michael Douglas. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's just Sam Burke making his way across hell with his revolver and donuts until he finally just gets on the chair. And he's just tired. He's like, I'm just sitting down here. And boom, yeah, he doesn't it. even know it's the throne. That's it. And Sam Burke, you figured it out. Oh, yeah. Yes, I knew it. And it's just it's just him by himself because if Twitch had been there, Twitch would have been like, sir, you need to stop. <laughs> yeah yeah sir so you're really sure this is why sir <laughs> oh that's awesome there you go those are two good guesses well thomas thank you so much for doing this yes, this is so awesome oh thank you thank you so much for having me i'm glad we i'm glad you reached out at SpawnCon. that was uh yeah. that was a good time this was a great time so cool. uh if you if you want to do a recap issue i'm, I'm down to to come on for 350 if you guys want oh, awesome that's okay excellent. well hey that's a great we might have to Definitely take you up on that. Yeah, because I'm I got I got a I I got a pitch for everyone else to start jumping on and reading because that's the starting point. Right. And, uh, cool. No, I mean so that's I, that sounds awesome, and I, that's one thing I love about Spawn and try to tell people is like you always have a good entry point. Like if you wanted mm-hmm. to do the two ninety seven two ninety eight recap, you could jump on there. Exactly. That was know? the previous. That was the perfect previous one um, that we told everybody, and now we're at three fifty. So three fifty is the next one. And like I said, it's great because it, it's going to roll into all. All four books. Yeah, that's so cool. So they're, they're all following that same path. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, that's and, great. And while we've got you here, we're now going to spend the next three hours pitching story ideas to you. <laughs> hopefully one of them will. <laughs> I think my wife's calling. It's yeah, something's happening. <laughs> awesome. Well, so so that we got books to read for next week. So read them, come back, listen to us talk about them. Let us know your opinions on whatever we did, if we did it wrong. Oh, I'm sure we did something wrong. Thank you again, Thomas, for coming by and talking to us. This was a hella good time. That that just leaves me to say nothing other than, Johnny, Thomas, may the scorched be with you. And also with you. Right on. Yeah, I wasn't lying. We are going grocery shopping now. <laughs>